as you may know, its original name was not Halloween, but what is actually in Gaelic pronounced Sawain, something close to that. And then you wonder why it's spelled as if it's Samhain. And there's a reason for that. The holiday was first declared very early in the ADs and established <coughs> on the hill of Tara. That's why you're so interested. <laughs> you know that? <laughs> and the hill of Tara was in the holy precinct of Tamer on the sacred isle of Aya, which was originally named Arya land, and then it got mispronounced as Ireland. And so, once we understand that the culture of those who settled on that emerald isle were pre-Vedic Aryans who came there after the destruction at the end of the Silver Age that brought the present continental appearance of the tectonic plates into being and uh, eliminated through the disastrous uh, flooding and uh, uh, earthquake-induced uh, disappearance of many parts of uh, Pangaea, which was the home of the gods and goddesses that we were in those lives in Sat-yuga and Treta-yuga until Dwapar-yuga. In that explosion of the continental plates, many lands were lost and some came up from underneath the ocean and there was a movement of refugees to resettle new areas of the planet. And that was one of the first to be resettled by those who came from that area of Pangaea called Hyperborea. And they were all part of the same peoples that eventually, uh, in their, let's say, central mainstream elements, would now be called Hindus. But this was long before Hinduism and much different from what we now call Hinduism, which is based on myths and legends of that lost period and of myths about why it was lost. But in the early period after its disappearance, the Aryans 
retained sufficient amount of the historical memory and cultural integrity to develop traditions that would still be true to the origins of the previous Satyuga in order to try to bring about its return. So all of the cultures that were born in the Copper Age were devoted to trying to find a way to return to the lost Golden Age. And in particular, those people in Arya land who became known as the Celts and their uh, priests, the Druids, who worshipped the tree of life and who recognized that (coughs) metaphor as a way to understand the unfolding of phenomenal reality, wanted to get to the root and the seed of that tree and enable it to produce a new seed for a new golden age. They knew that the tree itself must produce that flowering and that fruiting that would produce a new cycle of time. And they understood that the golden age did not create itself. It arose out of a darkness, out of a darkness of a time of mystery in which all the forces of life And the forces of magical power came together to create such a golden age. And they remembered that age as the Sangam, or as we would say, the Sangam Yuga. And that's how that holiday began. And like most ancient peoples, including the Jews, the day would begin at sundown in the time of darkness. And then the light would appear only after going through the darkest period to recognize that time actually begins not at the beginning, But at the end, the beginning always comes later. And it is this understanding of the cyclical nature of time in which the beginning must be created that was still able to be understood because there were still magical beings present in the world in those days. There were still leprechauns in Arya land Mm -hmm. and elementals and magical beings of many sorts who understood how to cast spells and how to enter interdimensional realities and how to discover the hidden gold that was magical 
and still related to the golden age that had been lost. And it was that magical gold that became the beginning of the economic systems that are used on the gold standard. But the gold that we have today is just ordinary gold. It was that gold that only the little people knew about at the end of the rainbow that had the power to bring about the magic that people were seeking. And that was its value. And so not only did the day begin at night, but the year began at night in the darkest period. And so Samhain is actually the celebration of the Celtic New Year. But it is also the celebration of death. Because the new cycle of time must begin with the death of the old one. Without a death, there cannot be a birth. This is the sacrifice that every culture understands must be made in order to bring about new life. And therefore, all of the ancient cultures were sacrificial cultures. Their religions were based upon sacrifice. But what was to be sacrificed was metaphorically represented, but represented only because the real of what must be sacrificed was not animals or virgins or... uh, kings or outcasts or scapegoats or whatever, but the ego. And it was that that was understood metaphorically but could no longer be brought about in reality because that highest level of magic had been lost. And because that level of magic was lost, gradually all the other levels of magic were lost because the ego gradually usurped the throne of consciousness and threw out, threw down the soul from its capacity to rule the human life and organism. And the ego produced the evil with its black magic of technological control that the soul in its weakness could no longer resist. And the holiday of Samhain represents that movement into the period of absolute darkness, of absolute evil. That's why it is a time when the demonic forces are at large, the ghosts and the banshees and all of the evil spirits. It is a representation of the end of Kali Yuga because it is now when those spirits are at large, not only in the world out there, but in one's own subconscious mind, those demons are at play. And so the day must begin with the darkness, but the darkness must be encountered with power, with the inner light. 
that can take one through the dark and bring about the new dawn, the Aruna, the light of the dawn that appears from the highest point of consciousness at its earliest moment at the end of the cycle. And so one wants to be on the mountain of the dawn, on the Arunachala, so that one can receive the magical power of the new light and transmit it and bring about a new golden age. And so they were aware of this power and of the need for death as a part of life. But in the Northern Hemisphere, at this time of the year, of course, it was the end of produce. It was the beginning of winter, and one would have to live on one's reserves. Whatever stock one had gained and been able to store would have to get you through the dark months. In the same way, the yogis now must store up the spiritual power that will last them through the end of Kali Yuga because soon we will approach that moment when there will be no time for meetings like this and for weeks of meditation and silence and the collection of the inner luminosity. This is a luxury. And as we approach that time of the absolute darkness, our inner light must be so powerful that no wind of negativity could blow it out. And it's this that's being celebrated, the power to withstand the dark, to go through the darkness of the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. And therefore, there must be evil to face that challenges us as our rite of passage in order to give us the right to create a new golden age. We are the ones who lost that last golden age through falling into egoic consciousness, not someone else not some lost civilization of strangers. We ourselves are the guilty parties. And that is why we keep ourselves from the realization of the bliss that is our true nature. Because indeed, we must again earn our right to the bliss through the conquest of the darkness that has usurped our own consciousness and that of our fellows because we lost our true nature. We fell and we ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is not the real knowledge, but the false. And we believed the false. And we did not eat of the tree of life, of eternal presence. And so we had to go through this cycle of experience of death and rebirth again and again as we entered that period in which there was no more magic and no more light and no more goodness and no more refuge or oasis 
for the soul to find an ability to recharge until we would have to do it ourselves, until we would have to create that power from within at the last dying embers of the final days of Kali Yuga, that magical power would have to be regained through the voluntary sacrifice of the ego. Even though the ego had reached its most powerful demonic form, we would have to slay it. Just as David killed Goliath, just as every hero must slay demons and monsters much stronger than him or herself, in every legend, every myth, the giant slayer wins through his goodness, his purity of heart, his capacity to love, his willingness to die for the welfare of the whole. And it is for the sake of the whole that the ego must die. It is not some individual selfishness that could produce the death of the ego. Far from it, because it is the death of selfishness. And so it can only be done by one who has attained Kalyan Murti, who has become the very archetype of generosity, who is so generous that he is willing to kill not his only begotten son, although you could say the ego is that, but his own egoic self in order to free the world from the chains of the ego. That one egoic death will enable through the morphogenetic field resonance in which one ego death will enable the next and the next until the cascade of dying egos fills the sedimentary levels of the phenomenal plane and becomes the basis of the growth of the new tree of life in its fertile rootedness in those dead egos with all of the wisdom of the entire cycle of time contained within them and that power now released to produce its ultimate magic which is the fruit of the next satyuga. And it is this that we can accomplish through rooting ourselves at the very deepest part of the seed of inner light, the Jyoti Bindu, that very source of power that does not itself enjoy the fruits of those efforts. But it is always in the transcendent bliss of the joy of having given that so that all souls may benefit from the production of a world that is a paradise in which only goodness and joy and love and the greatness of spirit lives on 
in its heroic nature. And it is all produced by that being who is willing to sacrifice life itself so that life may go on. And to liberate itself from that cycle of time so that others may be liberated within it and may once again enjoy the unleashed creative intelligence and magic of which we are deprived in the darkness of this final stage of Kali Yuga. And so it is in this magic moment in which the world is filled with hopelessness and despair that the ultimate spiritual revolution of miraculous magic is unfolding secretly in the hearts and minds of those liberated beings who will at one moment produce a grid of empowered imagination that will reconfigure the world once more in the image of divine consciousness. And we are the ones who must do that work. We must be the elves in Santa's workshop who weave that new tapestry of the next cycle of time through our own efforts of God-realization that come from the simple yet absolute act of sacrifice of all that is false. And that sacrifice must be done out of love out of joy, out of goodness to the supreme being at whose feet we worship because we know not yet that we are that infinitely gigantic and vast being who is the cause and the source of all that is. And only in that sacrifice that takes the utmost humility and dedication can that greatness that is transcendent of all limits be realized as yourself. This is the final act of the cosmic drama in which we are actors. And only a very few will choose to perform that great sacrificial act. But those few will be remembered in all the mythologies of the world because there would be no world without that act. It is at this moment 
that we are held in the scale of God to determine our destiny based upon our willingness to perform that one function without which the world cannot go on and without which the suffering cannot end and the bliss cannot begin. May we have the courage to perform that sacrificial act for the sake of all.